I want to ask you to do something with me. Um, you know, church, going to church should be more like going to the gym than going to the movies. And we've largely made it like going to the movies where we presented a product. And uh, we don't want to do that. We want to just engage with him. So I'm going to ask you to do something with me today. If you would, just stand to your feet. And uh, we've not gone over this statement in a while. This is our mission statement, our declaration, our core values, really the expression of that. But we're not just going to say the phrase, okay? The phrase is going to pop up for us, and we will walk this through step by step. But we are outrageously loving people. And I just want you to stop there for a moment. And would you just submit to the outrageous love of Jesus? Before we even go on, Lord, and I want to ask you to pray, like you, to use your words. You have not because you have not. There's something about our releasing something. Lord, teach us to be loving people. Teach us, Lord, to understand what it is to experience the love of God, but not merely to experience the love of God, to express the love of God. You would take us to outrageous proportions of loving attitudes in the name of Jesus. It goes on. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord. Come on, we just, Lord, we refuse to ever worship in a way that doesn't cost us something. We want to be passionate pursuers of God. We want to know our God passionately. We want to dig into places of prayer, places of the Word on our own, in our own personal lives. And as we gather like this, we gather with such passion and momentum because we're simply expressing what's been going on as we've been walking this out on a daily basis. We passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles. Lord, I thank you that we are a generous people and we are simply surrendering to you today on another level of the generosity of God, the generous nature of God. It would just be irrational in us. We just submit to the generous nature of God today that we would learn how to give in a way that other people simply wouldn't understand. They would watch our generous lives and feel that we are irrational about being so generous. Teach us, Lord, that as we do that, it releases something. The kingdom of God has this contingency plan, and when we give, it releases something of even greater proportion to be released in our lives, taking us to greater places of giving. We want to be irrational about that in Jesus' name. As we consistently submit to God's desires. Lord, we, can, we just want to not only submit, but we want to consistently learn what it is every day to consistently submit to the very desires of God. We are not about raising up religious people. Lord, we want to be in touch with the desires of God. We want to consistently submit to your desires every day that we live as just a normal walk of faith, serving the Lord our God. And then finally, to effectively disciple others to do the same. Lord, we submit to the great commission that the example of our lives, Lord, will give entrance of the kingdom into the lives of those around us, and they'll be drawn into a greater understanding of your love and your life as a result. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's declare the whole phrase now. Let's declare a whole phrase before we give the Lord a shout. Go ahead, if you'll put that back up. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. Come on, let's give him a shout. That's what we are doing together as a family. We are devoted to this mission of being the Jesus movement of our generation. In the name of Jesus, we honor you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Open our hearts, God, to the conversation you desire to have today as we look into your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Once you be seated and pass your books down, if you've not done so, take out your note cards. We're going to continue in a focus that we have been in for quite some time. We don't do, like, we're not trying to come up with series to do anymore. And so what we're doing is trying to discern seasons. And, and again, we're all just on a journey trying to find our way. How many of you know? So as, a, as an eldership and as a leadership team, we're just constantly trying to discern where's God wanting us to go in this season. So we've just concluded, I think we spent eight or nine weeks. We, we went into it thinking we'd probably be four, but we were just discerning it was more of a season of when you pray. And so we focused on really pressing in. I hope that impacted your prayer life and helped set some things in motion. Uh, and what we're doing now is returning to this focus. It's a long-range, long-term focus. When I told people about it, uh, in the beginning, they were uh, really had some challenging remarks. How many of you know every dream begins with just one believer, and then other people have to come along? And so I just felt the Holy Spirit was saying, we're not here to just inspire to hopefully attract, but we're here to empower to hopefully commission, okay? And that's a different perspective. And so what we're doing is we're going to be inspired in His Word, but we're also going to be empowered to be able to go back. Anytime you're reading your Bible, and you come to the book of Zephaniah, and you think, wow, Zephaniah, never even really heard of the book, um, then you're going to be able to go online to destinychristian.com. This might happen five years from now. You'll be able to take 30 to 40 minutes, listen to a message like this on that particular book, understand a little bit of where Israel was when the prophet was bringing the words he was bringing in that particular book, get a little bit of history and context, and it'll help you be a greater student of Scripture. I want to empower you. I don't I want to just inspire you and help you love speakers. I want to empower you and help you love the Savior. That's the goal of being the church God's called us to be. So this has been a whole focus. We're taking like every book of the Bible, where Jesus is in each and every book, and he is uniquely, specifically, wonderfully in every book of the Bible. And I want to take you back to where this began out of John chapter 5, verse 39. Literally, that means we'll have 66 messages, 66 books of the Bible. We're almost finished with the Old Testament, actually. And it's been just incredible for me, just as a Christian, to grow and have to, I mean, I've had to study more to preach this way in this uh, season of time. It's been really, really wonderful for me as a Christian and as well as a pastor. But John chapter 5, verse 30, 39, Jesus in the New Testament, before the New Testament was written, said, the scriptures testify of me. He said, the Bible talks about me. That, that means that since the New Testament hadn't been written, he was saying the Old Testament reveals Jesus. And it reveals Jesus. It's richly furnished and dimly lit. The Old Testament is richly for How many of you like years down the road, those of you who've been around the Lord and walking with God for all years down the road, you read something you'd read a million times and suddenly you saw something you'd never seen, right? I mean, it's amazing. It's richly furnished. This is eternity because like you're designed to be awakened to these revelations and revealings and findings. You're designed for that to bring inspiration into your life. It awakens gifts within you. You become more who God called you to be. We want you to become more of who God has called you to be. The assignment of God is, is planted deep inside you, and I'm calling to that today as I align myself to make the sound of heaven, and you begin to respond with amen and yes and shouts and and claps and stand up, walk the dog, bishop, whatever you need to do. But we need to make the sound of heaven together in this place and awaken the assignments of God. In Jesus' name. 
And so we started in this really crazy portion of Scripture in Genesis 1-1, and if you only read English translations, you don't understand it's there, but the fourth word in the Hebrew language is never translated into any English translation, and it was right at the very beginning how Jesus was revealed in Genesis, and it has to do with what we'll be talking about next week, so I thought I'd bring it up today. But it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The fourth word of the Hebrew language is never translated into English. You won't find it. Unless you're a student of the original language of the Old Testament, you won't find this particular word. The reason you won't find it is because it's not actually a word. It's two letters, not a word. It's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And if you go to Revelation chapter 1, you find where it speaks of Jesus who was dead yet is alive. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. That's who Jesus is. And he's revealed right there in the very beginning of Scripture. To me, when I saw that, I was blown away. In the beginning, God, the Alpha and Omega. That's what it says in the original language. And so you look at that, and it's just bizarre. And and there's another place in Scripture that we find that. And it's where we'll talk about next week, as we see in the book of Zechariah, Jesus revealed as the pierced Messiah who was crucified on our behalf. And that's this next week is like full. We'll, we'll do just a couple. We can never get to all of them because there's so many types and shadows of Christ. But in Zechariah 12, verse 10, it says, They shall look upon whom they pierced. And it talks about selling his garments. And who is it talking about? It's talking about Jesus hanging on the cross when they're selling his garment. It was a prophecy that would come hundreds of years later when Jesus would be crucified. But interestingly, we see this Hebrew word in this text of Scripture, uh, but never translated in English. No English translation ever takes this word. But isn't it interesting? We find it again here in this text, and it literally says, they shall look upon the Alpha and Omega. I'm using the Greek words because that's why we understand, but it's the Hebrew word, beginning and end, whom they pierce. I just want you to know, Jesus rocks. Man, he's just amazing. When I start finding stuff like that, I realize, come on, God wants you to know his son. He's just littered it all through in there. He wants to awaken us today to something more than a bunch of religious nonsense. I am angry at religion. Religion has destroyed so many people. When I start preaching under a really powerful anointing and people feel very moved, it is very common for people to come up to me under guilt and shame as a result. And the idea they come up sharing is I just know I'm not doing enough. I know I'm not living fully enough for the Lord. And I just want to say, stop listening to that religious lie somebody told you somewhere along your journey. Get out from under that weight and realize Jesus died and he positioned you. Come on, you've got the grace and the power and anointing of God on your life. I mean, like I haven't even started yet and I'm screaming like a madman. Just crazy. God is in a mood. He's just stirring something up. And so today I want us to see where Jesus is revealed because the scriptures speak of who? Jesus. We need to say his name. The scripture speaks of who? Jesus. Like at the name of Jesus, not just general God, because everybody can manage God, whatever they want God to be. No, I'm talking about Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, Jesus. He's revealed in every book of Scripture. We will not back away from that reality, that truth, that revelation that God has spoken into the world in which you and I live. 
In the book of Haggai, it's an interesting book as we start to, to, to evaluate. And again, hic- uh, history and context, so you're aware, uh, Israelites, God's people, God's family is now very established in the nation. So as we start to hear Haggai and the, the prophetic expressions and the declarations that are going on, you need to understand what's happened. You know, they went into bondage, they came out. We've gone through every book up to this point. We're three books away from the end of the Old Testament. And then we'll talk about a few hundred years of silence and then the New Testament, four gospels. And it's going to be very rich as we start to see what things all four gospels talk about. Like there are some things all four gospels have in common. And I want to bring focus and attention to those when we get to that. But here we are in this, in this amazing book, and, and what's happened, the, the Israelites came out, you know, they were established, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob became Israel, Israel had 12 sons, 12 tribes, they all went, you know, the whole thing, they went into bondage, they came out of bondage, God then began to establish them through the, the judges, and I mean, just amazing history of, of our faith and our belief structure as we start to see all of this, and Solomon built this magnificent temple, like the temple of Solomon was amazing. People probably said, I can't believe they're building that great big church over there because it was so big. I can't believe that church was so nice over there because it was so nice. Like Solomon spared no expense in building this amazing facility to express the excellence of God Almighty. But the problem was over the course of time, Babylonian forces came in 586 BC and they destroyed the temple in their uh, militant efforts against God's people. And a lot of reasoning for all of that, and we've been looking at that, contextually speaking, but 70 years later, Cyrus, everybody say Cyrus. This is like crazy. Cyrus, before Cyrus was ever born, there's a prophecy given in Scripture that said, one day, a person named Cyrus is going to come to the planet and give the command to rebuild the temple. And guess what? A baby was born, and somebody who was not serving God said, I think we'll call him Cyrus. I mean, how many know God's able? Like, God is able. And not only was this baby born and they decided to call him Cyrus, but he would become king and he would begin to give this issue and this decree to rebuild the temple. And he would fulfill the prophecy that we found revealed in Scripture. It's amazing. And I felt like when I was looking at this this morning, the Holy Spirit was saying to me that this is where I needed to stop. And I need to remind you, before you were ever born, before you ever took your first breath, God purposed these next seven days. What does God want to do in this next season of your life? Before you were ever born, God purposed this conclusion of this year in 2017 to come. He knew what was going to be going on. And like he is able to bring somebody about that's not even serving him. And they name the child correctly and the child finds all kinds of you know, connections and relationships and networks and get to the place where that king then can say, build the temple and fulfill the prophecy that was spoken 140 years prior to that. I just want you to know God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. How many know God's in your corner, and that's enough? So good. I'm just going to amen myself. Amen, pastor. Thank you, man with a lot of hair. So Cyrus gives the command to rebuild the wall, uh, uh, to rebuild the temple, and Nehemiah then starts building the walls. And we've walked through that and as he then built the walls. Now the others are to carry this on, and they're rebuilding the temple. But here in Haggai, we find where God's people have grown very discouraged, very distracted, and now they've become weary. They've grown Actually, first they grew distracted, and out of distraction, you grow discouraged. And out of discouragement, you become despondent, and you'll grow weary. 
Some of you in the room need to hear me say this today because I didn't show up to preach you a nice little history message. I came here with a revelation from God. And your weariness actually comes from all the way back where you allowed yourself to grow distracted and yet distraction then began to produce discouragement and that discouragement began to produce despondency. And the more you, the, the less you pay attention to the Holy Spirit, the more you thirst for entertainment. And the more you thirst for entertainment, the more you're relying on the sources of the world to fulfill you and to make you happy. And happiness, as wonderful as happiness is, and God's not against happiness, you need to understand happiness is a substitute for joy. So here the Israelites are, and they've grown very discouraged because they grew very distracted. Challenges are inevitable. Courage is optional. Challenges are inevitable. How many of you know challenges come? How many of you know challenges go? Challenges come to hold our every resource of our life hostage. Like, am I going to survive this? And then like, most of those challenges five years from now are not even memories you can think of. And the more we grow in our faith, the more we process God's Word, the more we get into His Word and into His presence, the, the stronger we become. I believe God's raising up a strong church. A church that doesn't meet every mountain bowing its knee saying, oh my God, mountains come my way. But rather they say, oh God, this mountain is just another little molehill to you. A strong church. Today, we find courage to carry on. Today, this day, this moment, this hour, we find courage to carry on. Things may not have worked out the way you thought they should. Today, we find courage to carry on. The Israelites are in a place where they've been trying to rebuild the temple. They found all this adversarial opposition. People said, you can't do that. We don't believe you can. They came up with all kinds of reasons. People that didn't want it to happen came up with political maneuvers. You can't get there. It looked like they were boxed in, squared in. No way that this could happen. Today, we find strength to carry on. That's the declaration of Haggai. Today, we find strength to carry on. Today, we set our minds to the things of God. Today, we will not back up. We will not back down, but we will rise up, and we will go forward in everything God's called us to. Today, we find strength to carry on. Do you find strength today? I'll drink to that. We must fight the temptation to allow discouragement to hijack our faith. And it can. We have to fight the temptation to allow discouragement to hijack our faith. When that happens, we're confined to a meaningless existence that has become distracted and discouraged. You were built for more than that. You were designed for more than Like before anybody ever thought of you, God had already planned you and prepared. There's something God wanted done that made you necessary. That's why you're here. I want to awaken that. The purposes of God. So here, Haggai is talking to these people who'd grown distracted. Everybody say distracted. That's, that's a very important word in this. They're distracted and they're discouraged. So let's notice the, the tone of of addressing distraction, the way he talks to them about their lives. Haggai 1, 
verses 5 to 8. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, and you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages, but only put them in a purse with holes in it. Anybody feel like this? Like, I'm striving after, striving after, and I just can't seem to get where I want to go and what I want to have. And this is what he's saying. Your striving has left you very discouraged because you've grown distracted by the things that you're fighting for. Now, I'm not saying some of the things you're fighting for you shouldn't be, but how many of you know we probably need a realignment of our priorities in our nation? And so he, this, this is what he's saying. Get your priorities in order. He goes on, this is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. He's wanting this temple to be rebuilt. And they'd grown discouraged from the process of building. Build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So this is, this is the thing. This is what's so hard being a pastor in a Western world, a pastor that leads church in a society, in a culture that's so inundated with cultural ideology that they resist anything that doesn't put them at the center of the universe. We all do. And God wants us to realize we are not the ones to be sitting on the throne of our lives. He is. Jesus needs to be on the throne of your life. And like everything has to be about his desires. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrational giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. He is the center of the call of God in every one of our lives and we must learn to surrender to him. Because if you spend your time and energy pursuing the comfort and security from this world, how many of you know that's what this world pursues? happiness and you know the pursuit of happiness and all of that that's like the pursuit like our constitutional right where that is everything about like i want to marry someone who'll make me happy i want to you know get a job that'll make me happy i want to make enough money to make me happy let me just remind you what i said a while ago because again god's not against your happiness but you need to understand happiness is a substitute for the real deal joy don't spend your life pursuing the cubic zirconian when god has a diamond in mind because even when you achieve the cubic zirconian, you got something fake in your hands. God doesn't want you to settle for that. If you spend time and energy pursuing comfort and security from this world without spending yourself for the glory of God, you will find yourself, very key word, I want you to write it in your blank, perpetually frustrated. Not mildly frustrated, perpetually frustrated. One of the most frustrating places to ever arrive is the place of unfulfilled success. You've accomplished what you set out to accomplish, and you still didn't find what you were driving for. And if you are in a place today where you've not accomplished what you set out to accomplish, and you think that accomplishment is actually going to fulfill you, please think again. God did not ever design you to be fulfilled by your accomplishments as a, a search for significance. Oh, I accomplished this. I dated her. I dated him. I married this one. I have this car. I have that. If you find your significance in your accomplishments, you will be greatly discouraged. You will become very distracted. 
This is exactly what happened to the, the people of Israel in this season. And I want you to see how, how God gets involved. Notice this is so significant. Haggai 1.14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit. Let's just stop there. The Lord stirred up the spirit. The Lord stirred up the spirit. Just put your hand on your heart. Father, stir us up. Stir us up that we would not settle for meaningless existence that the world defines for us. Stir us up to know what your kingdom is all about. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God stirred their spirits. The Lord stirred up the spirit of the governor of Judah, Zerubbabel. He stirred up the spirit of the high priest, Joshua. He stirred up the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. He stirred up everybody's heart. They came and they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. God stirred up their spirits. They weren't trying to talk him into stuff. He was trying to talk them into stuff. You don't need to be talking God into stuff. You simply need to be figuring out what he's trying to talk you into in your life. What is he trying to talk you into? What is he trying to accomplish? Like when we find ourselves in counseling sessions with God, where we're trying to help him understand how he can better help us, we probably need to step back and think, oh yeah, he's God. God doesn't need you as his God. You need God as your God. He's got this plan. He stirred their spirits to build his work in the earth. And this was a work that would outlast their lives and a work that would become the expression of God's legacy through their surrendered efforts. It's a wonderful thing to learn the joy of generosity. It's amazing. I went through Starbucks with a couple of friends the other day, pull up to the window, pull out my app, and they said, oh, the car in front of you took care of you. Thank you if you're here in the room. They didn't know who it was. Thank you if you're online, whoever you were. Tricky, tricky. So I said, awesome. I evaluated my rearview mirror to make sure that there's not a van load of 25 people behind me. And I said, oh, well, how about if I pay for the car behind me who had food and drinks? It's just kind of the way it works sometimes. So we paid it forward, and uh, it was, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing to learn to be just. You drive off, and like, you've been blessed, and now you've been a blessing, and, you know, hopefully that continues. There have been uh, stories of how, like, 25 cars in a row paid for the person uh, after them, and, you know, just it's an amazing thing. But I want you to understand something. There are stages of maturity in our lives. And mine is like where it begins, right? You don't have to teach a baby to be selfish. The baby's just going to be selfish on his own. That's what babies do. And if you never grow out of that, when you're an adult, you're still a baby in the realm of generosity. And then there comes another dynamic where we learn to move from being selfish to being generous because we've grown mature and we consider the needs of other people. But there's another stage that you need to understand this today because listen very carefully. If we're, if we're not careful, then we wind up growing from selfishness to generosity and we feel like generosity is actually the achievement God's called us to. And, and you need to recognize God wasn't saying to these people, you've grown selfish and I want you to be generous. He was saying to these people, you've grown selfish and I want you to be selfless about my work in the earth. 
Do you understand there's a difference between learning to be a generous person who's kind to people and being a person who's mature enough in your faith and your relationship with God to be devoted sacrificially to the work of God in the earth? That's a big deal. That's a big shift. Because in, in the world you and I live, we live in a world of, of Christian church haters. And, 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 I mean, we just all have to realize, like, the church has got its funk. I mean, we talk about it often, and we need to be honest about the fact that churches don't have it all together. Churches are far from what God wants churches to be. But we're all on a journey trying to find our way, and what we're going to do is make a commitment that 30 days from now, we're going to be more of what God wants us to be. And we're not going to give up on what he died for. Jesus died to establish the church in the earth. And if church is not a priority in your life and a sacrificial expression of your life, then you're missing something here. Maybe you've grown from selfishness to generosity, but you need to learn to grow from selfishness to generosity to selflessness for the work of God in the earth. It is an important element. So are you willing to respond to God's desires? Learning to be generous, that was a blank by the way, I preached through it, but learning to be generous is not the ultimate goal. Learning to prioritize generosity toward the eternal priorities of God is the goal. That's the goal. What's God doing? How can we cooperate? How can we partner? Are you willing to to respond to God's desires. Like, he didn't love us back. He loved us first. Are we willing to respond to that? Because our response determines God's reach. If we respond to the fact that he loved us first, not loved us back, if we respond, then he reaches into our life. It's amazing how this works. And and what I want to do, I want to challenge you and just give you an update. A lot of people are asking some questions. Where are we on the building? This is obviously a great context for us to think about. What's God asking from us of the work of God on the earth? Because listen, what we don't want to do is merely learn to live generous lives that conclude when we conclude. How many of you know there is a day that you're going to take your last breath? And so if we learn to live generous lives that conclude when we conclude, we've missed the legacy of God. But if we actually invest in the work of God, then generosity actually perpetuates and goes on long after we are gone. Yesterday's nurseries held today's leaders. I'm thankful we uh, looked at some pictures of Pastor Chris and Jana uh, last, a couple weeks ago, and I'm thankful for Pastor Chris and his leadership. He used to be in the nurseries of this house. Some of you here actually uh, helped maybe change his diapers. I don't know how young you were in those, uh, but, but anyway, you know, back in those days, he was the little guy. Now he's one of the pastors on our staff. How many of you know, if you go to the nursery today, we're going to see tomorrow's pastors. We're going to see not just pastors, some really powerful business leaders that are going to express ministry of the kingdom of God everywhere they go. That's what's in the nursery. So that's why we're focusing on being all in for the next gen. And and I've got uh, apparently some conversation that's gone on because I announced the work of God that we're fastening our faith to is $400,000 to finish that bottom area to get our nurseries and toddlers over there. I just want you to know that you have no idea how much we need to get our nursery and toddlers Uh, kids over here. We literally, just a few weeks ago, I want you to think about this. We had 18 two-year-olds on a Sunday morning. 18. How many of you like almost lose your mind just thinking about that, let alone one of the ones in one of those small rooms over there? 
Thank God for growth. We've added 80 chairs recently in this room. We can sustain it, but we've got kids workers working in small classroom scenarios over there, and we've got to get this done. And so this last week, there's been a little bit of conversation apparently, and it, you know, sometimes conversations, I don't know who said it, but I heard a little bickering feedback of, yeah, $400,000, we'll see. So I want to give you a little bit of an update and let you know. Number one, we're going to celebrate this. Uh, we have a goal of $400,000, but our first stage was set out as an initial projection of HVAC system for $180,000. And I want to congratulate you because we are $45,000 ahead. Thank you, Scott Martin, for working on bids. This is not $180,000. Now our first goal is $135,000, okay? So that's a wonderful thing to celebrate, $35,000 ahead right off the bat. So we thank God for that. If you'll go ahead and pop up now, I'm just give you a little bit. Our, our goal, ultimate goal, 400,000, the first phase, 135. And I, here's why we can celebrate. Guys, we have $46,677 that has come to help build the building in this all-in and building campaign. Let's thank the Lord. That's like almost $50,000. So just so you see, we're 88,000 short of that first segment. We're going to get there. How many of you believe we're going to get there? We're going to get there. <laughs> we're already like $100,000 progress when you look at that, 90,000, evangelistically speaking. You understand? Okay, you can take that down. Thank you, Nicole. Uh, and I want us to, in this whole scenario, listen, don't lose heart. Don't get discouraged. Let's do the work of God in the earth. Let's do the work of God on the earth. Don't, don't have conversation. That's what happened. The Israelites, like they were called to, to work on the temple, build the temple, and they started growing discouraged. I don't see how this could happen. I, I'm not sure we're going to really ever fulfill the prophecies of God. I'm not sure God ever really is going to. I mean, don't say that. Don't talk that. We are men and women of God. Mountains move because of us. Let, let me just repeat something that I stated early on in the service. I have a deep conviction that God wants to enlarge your life. And you need to understand something about all of this. I, I'm not the guy that's up here trying to, you know, move into a vein of, of, of erroneous pursuit or questionable pursuit of finance. I mean, my motives are constantly in check by our eldership team. They're constantly evaluating all that's going on with all this. Money's going where it's supposed to go. You need to recognize and understand. All I'm after, all we're after is all God wants. That's it. If the Lord wants it, we're going to give ourselves to go for it. We're going to go 100% toward whatever that is. And this is what's so amazing. If God, I mean, you just have to think in God kingdom economics. If God wants $400,000 to come through you, then you do realize like tithe is 10%. That's $4 million that comes to, I mean, he's like real generous, isn't he? And so if you think about, you know, even if we say, well, you give offerings above that, I mean, like God's going to bring some finances to you to, I just have a conviction that we need to understand God is about the business of increasing our lives. You need health and strength in your body to fulfill what God's called you to fulfill. You need joy and life in you to, to fulfill what God's called you to fulfill. So be strengthened in the Lord your God today. Be encouraged in the Lord your God today. We've gathered for the purposes of expanding his kingdom today. And his kingdom 
has this contingency plan. If my people called by my name will pray, then he begins to heal the land. Give and it will be given. You just need to understand this is a conviction. We've got to release the kingdom in the earth. I sense of the Holy Spirit some things are being unlocked in some of our hearts that have been bound up in this regard. We are to release the kingdom of God in the earth. I, I think about a medical procedure that the Hamels were asking God for. I, I think about, I mean, this was going to be crazy expense in the situation that they were asking for the Lord to, to intervene. And suddenly all of that, I mean, like, Lori Hamill said, I don't even know how all of a sudden it happened. I maybe know something is released in your life when you walk out the will, plan, and purpose of God. Like there's somebody named Cyrus that wasn't even born when the word came and the plan was set in motion. Like God's setting you up to, to take his purposes and fulfill them in you, to you, through you. We must respond to what he is stirring in our lives. Let's stir ourselves to believe God. Let's stir ourselves. I want you to, to get out of capital campaign mode. I'm not in capital campaign mode. I am in believers rising up mode. Yes. You need to be who God's called you to be in your everyday life. That's who you need to be. Stir ourselves up to believe for greater days than any of us have ever experienced. Let me just tell you, every once in a while, how many of you hear Sister Russell over here hooping? Every once in a while, something happens and it triggers and you, you hear, woo! You hear that? You know Why? Because she's lived through some glorious days in this house. She's seen the fire of God come down in this place. But I want to declare out of Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. That peace is the word shalom. And that word shalom translates health when you need health. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom. When you're needing health and health shows up, suddenly you have peace. When you get a bad health report, you lack peace. That's, shalom is more than just peace of mind. Shalom is overall peace, the kingdom of God. When you can't pay your bills, you lack peace. When the kingdom of God shows up, provision comes into your hands. Suddenly, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, and you, you realize God can unlock my life. I want to say to you, God can unlock your life. He can unlock the purposes of God in your life, and he's trying to raise up a group of people that will understand the glory of this house will be greater than it's ever been. The season that we're to come into in this next season of the church in the United States of America, regardless of what your concerns may be politically, rise up, people of God. Pray. Believe God. Believe God. Come on. Let's just give Jesus a standing ovation. Will you just stand? Come on. Let's give Jesus an ovation. We declare it, Lord. We declare it, O oh God. Thank you. The will of God be done. The will of God be done. The will of God. Do not let your culture define you. Do not let your culture define your pursuits. Your culture will drive you to explore things that are beyond the parameters of God's best for you, trying to find happiness, fulfillment, and success. You'll ruin your family. You'll ruin 
your future. Do not let the culture define you. God defines us from within. So, Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand that today. We want to honor you. We want to please you. We want to serve you. Lord, like the Israelites in the days of Haggai, we stand at attention and declare in repentance, forgive us, Lord, where we've allowed ourselves to be distracted from the purposes of God, from the priorities of God. Forgive us where our own lives have become our own God. Forgive us where our own uh, desires have taken control and we've abandoned the things that are important to you. Help us to understand, Lord, what's important to you so that we can devote ourselves more completely to that. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some some people in this room, just you know you've grown distracted. You are distracted from the purposes of God. You know that. Some may be like, you just need to first devote yourself to the purposes of God. Maybe you've never prayed to receive Christ. Maybe some of you have been walking with God for a long time, but you know you've grown distracted. Either way, if you know you're distracted from the purposes of God, I want to pray for you. I want to ask you to surrender your hands in a posture that says, I surrender to the purposes of God more readily than ever before. Lord, you see our hands and you know our hearts. People across this room just declaring, Lord, forgive us where we've grown distraction, distracted. Lord, we know that distraction produces discouragement as we abandon the purposes of God, the very reason why we exist. And so we surrender to you today in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's all pray this prayer. Everybody declare this with me. Lord Jesus, you are who you say you are. You're the Savior of the world. You're the Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. I need you as my Savior to rescue me from my sin. Today, I declare that I surrender everything I am to you in Jesus' mighty name. Now, that's not a magical phrase. It's a declaration of our heart. Will you just give God praise right now in that declaration? Come on. We honor who Jesus really is.